your Bibles this evening, if you would please. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God here this evening. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please pour out your Spirit upon this place this evening. <laughs> I yield myself to you and I ask you please that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit power. I pray that you do the work that only you can do this evening, that you'd guide my thoughts and my speech. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard the subject of being filled with the Spirit preached, probably on more than one occasion. In some cases, I believe it is one of the most neglected truths of the Christian faith. When the Lord commanded this in Ephesians 5.18, He was speaking to the church as a whole. Sometimes we get the idea that being filled with the Holy Spirit is only for the preacher or the missionary or for the evangelist. The truth is, it is for all of God's people. The Bible speaks of three different types of Holy Spirit involvement in our lives. In Romans chapter number 8, the Bible speaks of the fact that when we are saved, that we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, which is the Spirit of Christ. And so the Bible speaks of an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now that takes place the moment you get saved. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes down inside of you. And I want to say, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling, He is a person. Now, it feels awful good to get saved, but that feeling isn't necessarily the Holy Spirit. What it is, is it's the relief of all of your sins being forgiven and all of that weight being taken off of your shoulders. And I, I have to say, I, I don't believe there is any way for something as holy as God to come inside of you without you feeling something. But... He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a warm, fuzzy feeling or a spooky spirit. He is the person of Christ in the form of the Spirit. And as soon as we get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us. The next type of involvement that the Bible speaks of in our lives is the one that we just read about, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we'll spend our time on that this evening. The third type of Holy Spirit involvement in the lives of mankind that we see mentioned in the Scriptures, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is spoken of in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, as prophesied by Joel in the Old Testament. The Bible said that in the last days that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon all flesh. 
I also believe we have seen outpourings of the Holy Spirit at different times in history that may be a little bit different from that outpouring that took place in the book of Acts. I'm not trying to confuse you or contradict Scripture. It's just my personal belief. Again, call that maybe the book of 2 Joshua more than anything. It's just my personal opinion on my study of Scriptures and history. The outpouring that took place in the book of Acts, I believe, was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh as God sent His Spirit to woo all men unto Himself in salvation. But I believe there have been times when God has also poured out His Spirit upon a people, a country, a nation, a place, a city, and that things that were supernatural took place in forms of revival in those places. I believe we've seen those kinds of movements in the Great Awakenings in Europe and in America. I believe we've seen those kind of outpourings during the Great Reformation. Although, as we covered a couple of weeks ago in Sunday school, the uh, Baptist Christians were not part of the Great Reformation in that we did not come out of the Catholic Church uh, to reform anything, but rather we were already out of the Catholic Church being persecuted by the Catholics. But still, I believe God poured out His Spirit during the Protestant Reformation and that great amounts of souls were saved and a great revival was spread across the earth. I believe the Spirit of God was poured out upon the country of Wales in the early 1900s when uh, the, 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 the history books tell us that there was a movement of God so powerful that maybe as many as 90% of that entire country came to Christ. I believe the, pouring of the, out, uh, the outpouring of the Spirit took place in the 1920s when we saw men like Billy Sunday that would walk into a town filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the bars would shut down and the businesses would shut down and the factories would shut down as he would come into a city and they would all leave their homes and leave their businesses and shut down the liquor stores and they would all go to hear Billy Sunday preach. I believe we've seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in places all through history. We may preach a little bit on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit tonight, but I believe before we have seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we have first seen the filling of the Holy Spirit in God's people. I believe it's needed for all Christians. I believe it's something that should not be neglected in our lives. Now, some might say, why do I need the filling of the Holy Spirit? First of all, I want to say because it's commanded. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When God says something like, be filled with the Spirit, it's a command, it's a directive. And we ought to be obedient to the Lord. Now when He tells us to be filled with the Spirit, Again, as I said a moment ago, I think sometimes we get the idea that that's only for certain people. But I believe it's needed for all Christians, and I believe it's commanded of all Christians. This passage is written to the church, and it is the beginning of instruction for the family and the home. Do you see it here in verse number 21? The Bible says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the, subject, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands and everything. Now He switches over to the husbands, and He says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. And in verse number 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And He goes on towards 
the men. And by the way, there's twice as much instruction towards the men here. I didn't count it exactly. It might be three times as much. But there's more instruction for the men in the home than there are for the women here. And then in chapter 6, the Bible begins to speak to the children in the home. Right? Now, the Bible does say that He speaks concerning the church, but He speaks to our families. He speaks to our men, to our women, and to our children. Now, we need this power because we need it for our homes and for our church. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit because our homes, if we're not careful, are going to fall apart without the power of God. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit not only because we need help for our home and for our church, but also because the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that when they received the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, that they would receive power after that the Holy Ghost was come upon them. I believe we need it for power. I believe we need it for our homes. And I also believe that if we're filled with the Spirit, that we'll be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And boy, do we ever need the fruits of the Spirit to fill our lives, to fill our families, to fill our churches. Boy, do people ever need today love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith. Boy, do people ever need long-suffering, meekness. We need to be filled with the Spirit because we need power, because we need help for our homes, because we need the fruits of the Spirit abounding in our lives more now than we ever have. When I said it's needed for all Christians... I want to be clear that it's needed for moms and dads to raise their children. We need moms and dads who are seeking the filling of the Holy Spirit. As the devil is doing everything in his power to take the minds and hearts of our kids, we need parents who are daily seeking to be filled. We need churches who are filled with workers that are not trying to work for the Lord in their own power, but are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need greeters and ushers and deacons and nursery workers and Sunday school teachers and singers and laymen to be filled with the Spirit. Our country, our city, and the cities around us need us to be filled with the Spirit so that God can begin to work in the regions around us. I want you to look at it again, if you would please, in Ephesians chapter number 5. <laughs> and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit this evening? You know, this is not something that happens lightly. It's not something that happens without you noticing it. I'm not saying that it's a spooky thing that takes place where the Pentecostal churches and the Charismatic churches have uh, perverted the idea of being filled with the Spirit and they claim that when you get filled with the Spirit that you 
get slain in the Spirit and you speak in tongues and you flop on the floor and you laugh hysterically and you weep and you do all these different things and you show signs of the Spirit coming upon you. That's not it at all and that's not what I'm saying you need. What I'm saying is that you need the power of God in your life to lead your family. You need the wisdom of God that comes by His Spirit to lead your family and to help your children and to help guide them through life. You need the Spirit and power of God upon your marriage. What I'm saying is that you need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What I'm saying is that we need more of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not as if you'll notice it when you begin to have some feeling flood over you, but rather that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know that something is different in your spirit. You will have a different spirit towards mankind. You will have a different spirit uh, in your heart. I want you to notice what some of the signs of the Spirit are in Ephesians chapter number 5. Would you please look at it again in verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you see that it's a semicolon that comes after that, not a period? So that means we are continuing on here. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How can you tell whether or not you are filled with the Spirit? If a person is filled with the Spirit of God, they have a spiritual nature and they begin to speak to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, you get filled with the Spirit, it will change your spirit. You'll have a better spirit. Why? Because of the fruits of the Spirit are evident in your life. And I'll tell you, if there is something we are missing today, it is the fact that Christians are walking around in the flesh and not in the Spirit. And there is no love for one another. There is a loss of joy in our Christian lives. There is a loss of gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance and long-suffering and patience with one another. And let me tell you why we lack those things. Because we're not filled with the Spirit. We're lacking love towards one another because we're not filled with the Spirit. We're lacking gentleness towards one another because we're not filled with the Spirit. We're lacking meekness because we're not filled with the Spirit. We need more than anything for the fruit of the Spirit to be emanating in our lives. And if you're lacking joy and love and goodness and faith and gentleness and meekness, then you're lacking the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God. So many Christians today are living so filled with the flesh that we don't know what it means to have the peace of God ruling and reigning in our lives when we're filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that it'll change your inner spirit. Do you see that? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you get filled with the Spirit, songs come out. You can speak to yourself about spiritual matters. Well, I'm not going to let that bother me because God is good. You can speak to yourself. When you're filled with the Spirit, you speak to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you don't let things get you down. Not because you're strong-willed, but because when you're so full of God, He controls your spirit. And you have a hard time getting offended at people when you're filled with the Spirit. You have a hard time getting down when you're filled with the Spirit. I'm not saying you don't have hard times. I'm not saying you don't get down. But I'm saying when you start to get down, when you're filled with the Spirit, if, if, if one of the signs is that you can speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that, that means that your spirit will be affected by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can tell if you're filled with the Spirit, if your inner spirit is at peace with the Lord. And if God puts a song in your heart, it's a good thing when you're walking through life and a spiritual song comes out in your heart just out of nowhere. You know where that's coming from? It's coming from the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now, I'm, I'm not saying this. This doesn't happen all the time. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm just saying every now and then, I don't know why, but for years and years and years now, it seems like one of the songs that just pops up every now and then when I'm walking through life is, uh, In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. It just comes up. Little is much when God is in it. Now, when you get filled with the Spirit, there will be signs of it. I'm not saying I live that way all the time. What are the signs of the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What else? Verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. You see that? person who's filled with the Spirit is thankful. And brother, you can tell when somebody's filled with the Spirit and things start going wrong. And all they can say is, well, God's good. I'm blessed anyway. <laughs> I've still got this, and I've still got that, and I've still got this, and I've still got that. It's no big deal. My grandma used to say, you know, if you put a dent in her car or spill milk on her carpet, you know, things that people usually get fired up about, she'd say, oh, it's just stuff. Oh, it's just stuff. We're thankful when we're filled with the Spirit, not covetous and bothered about what we don't have, but we're thankful for what we do have. giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the next sign? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, he does command this, but I believe it's also a sign of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he just helps you get along with people. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What another brother wants, well, you know what? It's all right if he gets his way instead of me getting my way because he's just as, as important as I am in God's eyes. I think I'll move on. We need to be filled with the Spirit. It's needed for all Christians. It's needed for our families. It's needed in our churches. We just dealt some with the church. But I want you to turn to Acts chapter number 1 in your Bibles if you would please this evening. And look at verse number 6, Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 6. The Bible says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. You see, they thought that now that Jesus had come, that he was going to set up... His earthly kingdom. You see, because the prophecies of the Old Testament declared that the Messiah, the one that would come of the lineage of David, would establish His throne. So they thought He must be coming to stand up in Jerusalem as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then He died 
and they were befuddled. They didn't understand what was going on. And so now he's preparing them to leave these shores and go on to heaven. And they say, Lord, so <laughs> when in the world are you going to restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he says, look, it's not time for that. But I'll tell you what it is time for. He said, it's time for you to get to work. But before you get to work, spreading the gospel, you're going to need something. You're going to need to be filled. But ye, verse number 8, shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We see this bearing out in Acts chapter number 2. The Bible says that they were all in one accord and in one place, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment, and God pours out His Spirit after He fills them. Look at verse number 4 of Acts chapter number 2. The Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now those were literal languages. They spake to men in their own languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Bible says, Peter stood up and explained to them, This was that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days, verse number 17, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. We see this happening in a few different places where God pours out His Spirit. And things shake and things happen. But it is almost always precluded by God's people being filled with the Spirit. I said probably a few weeks ago, one of the things that I've been praying for is for God to send revival to Campbell and to Malden and to Holcomb and Kennett and Clarkton and Gideon and Bernie. And I've been asking God to send revival to our area. Pour out His Spirit like He did in the old days. And I believe He can do it again. But it's going to also be preceded, I believe, by a group of people that are filled. We need the power of God. Soul winners, before they go to be a witness, need to be filled with the Spirit. Preachers, before they stand to preach, need to be filled with the Spirit. I believe every person in this room can be filled with the Spirit of God. And I believe it's going to be necessary if great revival will be seen. Years ago, I, I read a book entitled The Invasion of Wales by the Holy Spirit through Evan Roberts. <laughs> I was a teenager and one of my friends who was also called to preach had read it and he said man you got to read this book it's 
changed my life. And I got it. It's just a little booklet. It's not a long read. It might come from a slightly charismatic angle, but something happened in the country of Wales. In the late 1800s, early 1900s. It happened in a couple of different corners of the country. In one place, a young man by the name of Evan Roberts, who was in his 20s or so, got burdened for his country. And he began to pray and ask God to do a great work. The book goes on to say that Evan Roberts became so burdened for God to send revival that he would often lock himself into his room and wouldn't come out for days and wouldn't take food or water and he would just fast and pray. After some time, a young lady in a church nearby who was a teenage girl, stood up in a youth meeting and she simply said, as she believed that the Lord wanted her to, she stood up to give a testimony and she simply said something along the lines of, I love Jesus and I'm glad He saved me. And something happened. The Holy Spirit of God poured out upon that group. And that group of young people got on fire. And it spread out from there to the church. And it spread out from the church to the town. And they said you couldn't hardly walk through the city streets without hearing somebody calling out to God and crying for salvation. Oh God, save me from my sins. I read that and I began to think, oh, God, do it again. Since I was a young man, I've been praying for God to send revival to America. This nation is growing awful dark, but you know, often the Lord has worked in times of persecution and great darkness for the church. And I don't, I don't believe that just because things are getting a little bit tighter concerning the gospel and people are getting a little more wicked, that that means it's not possible. I still believe that the Bible is true. And I believe that even in these days, when God sent great revival among the Jews, that it was a very dark time. You understand that they were constantly in fear for their lives because they were simply Christians trying to proclaim the gospel. You understand that when Stephen, a deacon, and I believe deacons ought to be filled with the Spirit. You understand that when Stephen, uh, just a deacon in the church, and by the way, it's one of the signs of the, uh, or, or one of the things that we're supposed to be looking for in deacons, that they should be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. But Stephen, just formerly a layman in the church, who was then full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, chosen out to be a deacon, found himself filled with the Holy Spirit of God and was preaching in the city streets and they stoned him to death. You can't always control what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But it doesn't change the fact 
that even if a great work wasn't done at that moment, that later on there was a man who was standing there who was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings against the church by the name of Saul. And then the Saul who held the coat, uh, the coats of those that, that stoned Stephen was later converted to Christ and became probably the greatest missionary that has ever walked the face of the earth. It was a dark time for the church. But as they were scattered abroad through the great persecution, the Holy Spirit of God was poured out upon those people. And my soul was a great revival scene. I don't want to hear people say that it's too late for America. I don't want to hear people say that it's too late for Campbell, Missouri. I don't want to hear people say that it's too late for Poplar Bluff or for Dexter or for any other place around here. I know that America's gone a long way, and I know it looks like it's getting worse and worse for Christianity, but I believe that it has been in those times that God's light has shined the brightest. And I believe that there needs to be a group of people who get a desire in their hearts to not just be a normal, everyday, humdrum, humdrum Christian, maybe a humdrum Christian too, but rather to be filled with the Spirit and to do something greater for God than has ever been done before. We need the power of God in our Sunday school classes. Hey, listen to me, Sunday school teachers. Don't come next Sunday or Wednesday night for our children's classes without praying and begging for God to fill you with the Spirit of God. Don't come with just in mind that you'll have another Sunday service like any other Sunday service. But rather, if nobody else is doing it, fall on your face before God, fast and pray, beg Him for His filling, and before before you get here, spend time walking with God so that maybe God could do something greater than He's done before. We need young preachers that have a desire to be filled with the Spirit. I believe young preachers ought to get training for the ministry. But I believe the greatest training you can receive is at the feet of Jesus. And I believe that if a young man will get concerned with being filled with the Spirit, that God can do greater things with that young man than anybody that has received a perfect seminary education. Do we need some training about homiletics and hermeneutics? And do we need some teaching about the Bible? Absolutely, about how to study it and how to prepare a sermon and how to use an illustration and how to raise your voice a little bit while you're preaching. We need all of that kind of stuff. But I tell you what, we need more than all of that. We need the power of God. The Bible says now, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What preachers need in the pulpit today is liberty. This is spiritual warfare behind the pulpit and we can't do it on our own or in our own power. A preacher will be more burdened to be filled when he sees how much it's about God and how little it's about Him. When a preacher feels helpless and incapable, he's in just the right place for God to work. Be filled with the Spirit. I wish that we could have a church filled with people who desired the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. 
So here's the question, and I need to be finished. How do you get it? First of all, I want to say you must be empty in order to be filled. You can't fill something that's filled up already. You need to be empty of yourself first and foremost. Humility is the key that opens the door. Not false humility, but true helpless humility. We need soul winners to see that, Lord, I cannot lead a soul to Christ in my own power. I need Your power. I'm helpless without You. We need bus workers. We need deacons. We need preachers. We need laymen to see that I'm incapable of being for my family what my family needs without the power of God in my life. I don't have the wisdom in order to lead my family. I need the Spirit to fill me with wisdom. I don't have the power to give the counsel that my children need all of the time. But rather, I need the Holy Spirit of God to give me what I lack. Humility is the key that opens the door. You've got to understand that if you're filled with yourself and if you stand up to sing a special in your own power because you think, I've practiced and I've got a voice, or I don't have a voice, but I've practiced and so this is going to go just fine. That it's not the same as somebody who stands up and says, I need the power of God or I can't do this. I need God to anoint this special with His power or I can't sing and there's no sense in singing. There were stories told of some of the old preachers who would not come to the pulpit until they knew they had been endued with power from on high. That happened. Most of the stories came out of the South. I hope you all weren't lying about it. That some of the old preachers would show up late to services sometimes and the music would be sung and testimonies would be given. You know, Evan Roberts sometimes wouldn't even show up to preach at a service unless he knew he could have the power of God and the power of God was going to be evident in that service in the country of Wales when God began to pour out His Spirit. Evan Roberts would sometimes show up in a crowd and he would never even say a word. People didn't know what you looked like back then because we didn't have Facebook and Twitter and and, and, and social media to spread each other's pictures around. So they had heard of Evan Roberts and they would ask him to come and preach and sometimes he'd walk into a church service and sit somewhere near the back just like a regular church member would and listen to the service get conducted and he said sometimes it would get awkward because they're still waiting for Evan Roberts to show up. Nobody knew who he was or what he looked like and he'd sit there waiting for the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit to tell him whether or not he should go and sometimes he said the Holy Spirit of God just didn't seem to tell me it was time to preach so I just sit there and see what God would do. And sometimes, just sitting there and praying, God would begin to pour out His Spirit upon those people. And somebody would stand up and get a testimony. And things would begin to break out. You know, I saw a service not too far from that, uh, south of here in Tennessee at Brother Sutherland's church. And I have to be honest, I'd never been in anything like that. And I kind of sat there a couple times thinking, I don't know what to think about this. be good if before you ever did anything for the Lord you were more concerned about filling, being filled with the Spirit 
There have been preachers that stood up in their own power and with oratory and well, you can put together the perfect illustration, and you can put together the perfect outline, and you can, you can manipulate people's emotions and cause them to have an emotional reaction in the service, and there have been a lot of people that have that kind of influence over people that didn't have the power of God in their lives. I've seen that on more than one occasion. But young man, you don't need to learn how to make the perfect outline or use the perfect illustration or manipulate emotions. You need the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Humility. First of all, you must be empty of self. Second of all, you must be empty of sin. Before Peter was filled, God made him confront his denial three times in the end of the book of John. Is everybody with me? Before Peter was filled in the day of Pentecost and used in a great way, he was forced to confront his sin. It's important for us to understand we can't be filled with sin and be filled with the Spirit. First of all, I want to say, in order to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, you must be empty. Second of all, I want to say, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must hunger and thirst after righteousness. A few years ago, I was sitting down with an old preacher. His name was Wendell Runyon. He was from North Carolina. Pastored for something like 40 years, and when he was 60-something years old, God called him to the mission field, and he resigned his church and went to... Africa, started a ministry out there. God began to use it, and not only was a church built and a ministry built, but a college was built. Dr. Runyon came back to the United States in his 70s or so and was a part of the church there that I went to and that was uh, uh, the uh, host church of Providence Baptist College where I attended. Dr. Runyon would stand up and preach, and when he would, the power of God was evident and he had the ability to take some of the most complicated things in the Bible and make them simple to understand and boy we looked up to him and I remember getting to sit down with him one day and I just wanted to ask him I said Dr. Runyon can you help me understand something we've all heard the difference in the pulpit let's be honest sometimes there are some preachers that stand up to preach and they do a good job but there are others and and God's word will never return void and we know that but sometimes there are others that just Man, there's something different. Something different. I've been around some of those preachers. So have you. And I've been around some of those preachers. They read the Scriptures and they don't even get into the message and the the Spirit of God. And power is endued upon them in a different way than others. I don't want to name names. We had some of those at Camp Calvary this year one or two services and one preacher I think of specifically he stood up and he wasn't even through the reading of the scripture and I was under conviction and I could tell the holy hush and the sense of the power of God over the place and I asked Dr. Runyon what's the difference what's the difference between those preachers that just seem to stand up and, and, and preach and there's a little something done and the ones that God just seems to really move and there's something different He said, well, clearly it's the power of God. He said, but here's what I've learned. He said, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you need to hunger and thirst after righteousness because the Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with righteousness, yes, but also filled with the Spirit. Listen, 
You want to be filled with the, with the Spirit? Ask God to give you a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for right living, right thinking, right acting. Thirdly, in order to be filled with the Spirit, not only do we need to be empty of, of self, and not only do we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness, but we need to be in one accord. Do you realize that all through the book of Acts, when God would pour out His Spirit and when people would be filled with the Spirit, that continuously, the Bible says these all continued with one accord? In Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 14, the Bible says, and these all continued with one accord. In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 24, the Bible says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And God shook the place and answered their prayer. Are we truly in one accord tonight? I'm praying right now and asking God whether I should say it. Oh, about a month or so ago, I was down here. I can't remember if before or after the service. I can't remember what it was, but Miss Marietta walked up to me and I can't remember if she had given a testimony or why. I don't remember all the details of the service. And she said, Preacher, I believe God wants to do something here. But something's in the way. Something's in the way. And I said, Miss Marietta, you're right. I agree. I know God wants to do something and I do believe that something's in the way. It's time we put aside all of our petty differences. It's time we stop looking for reasons to disagree with one another. It's time we put away the past, forgive each other, and understand that if God's going to pour out His Spirit upon a people, upon an area, upon a church, upon a family, upon a preacher, upon a Sunday school teacher, upon a church, that we're going to have to be in one accord. It won't happen when we can't agree. It won't happen when we're after each other. It won't happen when we've got families standing against each other. It won't happen when we can't forgive each other. It won't be here. Amen. I want to see the movement and power of God. But it can't happen when we're not in one accord. And by the way, this isn't the only time I've preached this message and this isn't the only church I've preached this message to. I've preached it across this country and churches that have allowed me to preach revival and in their churches, I've preached the same thing. I'm not trying to necessarily pinpoint Calvary Baptist, but I will tell you one thing that I have noticed since I have been here, that if there is anything we need more than anything else, it is the power of God and I don't know that we'll see it until we can get along with each other. 
Everybody ought to be able to sit down at everybody's table and have no problem. I just preach harder to you than I've ever preached to you before and you have a choice to walk out of here mad at me. And these are the kind of messages that I fear. Because I don't want to split our church. And if it does split, it's just proof that there's a rebellious spirit. that we'd rather hang on to our differences than be in one accord and have the power of God. I don't believe that's the spirit of our church. I just want to say, if God's going to move, God's people have to be in one accord. What does that mean? It means in agreement. Lastly, and I need to be done. We need to fast and pray. If you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we have to fast and pray. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 1, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place, that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter number 4 that when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. And they prayed. The Bible says in verse number 31 of Acts chapter number 4, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Power in the pulpit. Power in the home. Power in the songs. Power in the Sunday school class. Power in your marriage relationship. Power from God begins with prayer for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says... If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You want the Holy Spirit? You want to be full of the Holy Spirit? Ask Him. I don't know if it will happen tonight. Sometimes it happens at the altar. But usually, it happens when we tarry and pray. Usually it happens when God has had time to see how serious we are. Usually it happens when God has had time to purge us of the fullness of our sins. I don't know if everybody is ready as a vessel to be filled with the Spirit tonight, but I believe the process can begin. I'm not even sure that I am. I don't believe it's a one-time filling. 
I believe it's something that we have to do over and over and over again daily seeking to be filled with the Spirit of God. But be filled with the Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help in the message tonight. Lord, I, I pray that you would do what only you can do. With heads bowed and eyes closed.